Hi, I'm Daniel Lucas. And I'm Mike Lucas. And welcome to Comedy 101. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Come on in. Pull up a seat. So this is our second episode, people, with Mr. Lucas. Right, the, we're here. We're back. We're 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 persistent, Daniel. We're not going to go away. <laughs> we're, we're like that mosquito that's in your ear that you're trying to flick away, but it, 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 he's like, "No, nah, man, I'm getting some blood. I'm getting some blood. Some ear Definitely. blood. I need some ear blood." Hey, maybe that could be our new motto for this comedy 101. We're looking for ear blood. Ear blood, yes, people. <laughs> I don't know if that works. That might not be yes. good. I I'm not a good marketer, apparently. <laughs> no, like you are. You're not bestseller author. Oh, oh that's true. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Novels. Yeah. It's funny because, well, you know, you're you you're a KDP author also, and um those those um bestseller lists and those hot new release lists they they fluctuate. So at any given point, you got to go back and check because you can begin to um rock in uh, certain categories and certain times of the week and certain times of the day like for instance right now my uh, paperback version of my book is number 68 in creativity self-help and number 76 in comedy on the kindle store so those are those are two categories um that that you can you know uh, uh check on and um and that are pretty respectable now my paperback on the other hand is um, number 163 in comedy right now. So it, it hasn't made the top 100, but yet it's gone as high as uh, number 31 before. So at any given point, you could be rocking it. And at another point, you're like, nope, not even in the top 100. <laughs> but right? I'm encouraging you to do your hardcover. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, don't, do you like that, Daniel? Do you prefer to hold the book in your hand? Yes, definitely. Hardcover right. is better than the paperback because I compare all my books and when I ordered it, oh, much, 100% hardcover is the yeah. best. Yeah, that's absolutely. And um, I, I don't mind it when people buy the uh, the electronic version. But you know what? To be honest, if someone's holding my book, and my book, uh, it's called Finding Your Funny Muscle, How to Create Laughs Like a Pro. My book has a big whoopee cushion on the front cover of it. So um, I want people to sit there on the bus or um, in, in, in public on a bench reading my book and having people look and go, what, what on earth are you reading a whoopee cushion instructional manual on how to use a whoopee cushion? No, it's how to create laughs. So it's, yeah. it's its own advertising to my brother from another mother. Cause your, your last name is L U C A S and my last name is L U K A S. So we, uh, we are separated by a consonant. <laughs> yes. People let's support Mr. Mike for this book. Phenomenal book. Finding muscles. Yeah, and and um, finding your funny muscle is also available not only on Amazon, but boy, you can get it in on Apple Books, uh, Google Play. You can get it um, at Barnes and Noble. Anywhere you buy your books, it, that book is going to pop up. It might. It's. I think it's going to be even coming to the library soon. So, but I'm excited, uh, Daniel. I'm excited about Comedy 101 here because we're we're our goal is to sort of help new comedians who are beginning their journey onto the stage and might need a little bit of, of a helping hand figuring out how to do that. Yes, definitely. So let's do the recap that we talked about last week. Oh yeah. What did we talk about last week? That was, that's been seven <laughs> days, man. I don't even remember what I ate for lunch uh, today. <laughs> I remember that if you want to be a comedian, you need to emulate person that you like best, like Mr. Mike. That's oh. true. 
Yeah, like like I think we talked about um, to begin to look at other. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, because when you're like, say, you're for, if you want to be a writer, then you read other p- authors' books, and then you kind of that helps you learn how to create your stories and tell your stories and unveil them. And if you want to be a comedian, it helps to look at a comedian who's already doing it well, especially one that you like that appeals to you. Maybe their style or their rhythm or their content. And then you begin to, um, you don't copy what they do, but it's like any good artist begins to pick up the the mannerisms of, a, of an expert. And then you begin over time with practice to sort of uh, uh, blend those skills into your own version. So it might start out where you look like you might be doing a lot of Steve Martin or uh, uh, Richard Pryor style stuff, but eventually you'll figure out your own version of like, like loud and silly or storyteller, a gritty storyteller, like whatever your version of that is. But a lot of times it does help to watch how someone else does it and begin to emulate uh, their, their skill set. Indeed people. And one more, we talk about once you have this idea, how to create your own style, then implement it. Yeah. Yeah. That, in fact, that, Part of the thing that I wanted to talk about this week, I I, I wrote an article that I, sh- I shared with you, Daniel, and um, it's the first the first ten things a new stand up comedian needs to do. Because so I was really thinking about that. I was like, what like if if I was starting out right now, like does anyone could anyone tell me like what give me a give me a to do list of things I need to do in order to get that journey started? And um, if, you know, especially if I don't know anything about how to do this, you know, if I just know what it's like to watch comedy on TV. And what you just mentioned is one of those steps. The first step, in fact, the first step is to pick out a comedy lens. I think it's so important when you begin this journey to, um, you know, before you start writing your funny jokes, it really helps if you understand your comedy point of view, you know, because you're, you're basically you're facing like an entire world full of possible premises like things that you can talk about there's just a million things you can talk about but if you have a clear comedy lens and and that's what i call it some people call it your comedy brand or your take or like a slant but but really it's about you know how you look and and process your comedy and that helps you narrow down what part of the world you want to mock you know what what where your jokes are going to um uh focus on and it also helps you become more relatable and memorable if you have a good comedy lens people can apply it to their own lives and they can apply it to people who they know uh their lives and so that makes all of a sudden now your comedy comes across more like as a friend not as a stranger and that's really important when you're beginning is to really establish a connection with that audience but there's there's 10 other or nine other things that you got to do as a new stand-up comedian daniel that i think we can go over definitely and uh those top 10 pile of funding comedian will be more phenomenal if you do on your own style yeah for sure yeah that that's the 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 key to being a a good uh, comic especially a new one is to originality We, we have a lot of people that are taking a shot at being funny so um the the idea of a comedy lens helps you to be an original uh take on it and to be honest, a lot of a lot of new comedians they 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 talk about their own uh, qualities and they they're like oh people aren't going to find this very interesting, um, you know my my struggles aren't interesting to other people but but that's what makes you interesting to strangers is is the idea of um, what you personally are going through because then they can vicariously go through it with you and laugh about it with you, and then they can apply that to their own life. So, but you can't do that until you do number two on the list of top uh, first 10 things a new stand-up comedian needs to do. And number two, Daniel, is learn how to write a joke and write some. 
<laughs> yes. Right? How do often you write a joke? Well, that that right. that's that's the whole challenge is 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 to learn the the, the technique. Um, because if you want to be funny, uh, to you know, to drunk paying strangers, you know, these are people who have put down hard earned money to to laugh, and and they're all think they're pretty funny too, um, but. It, it's easier if you know how to write a joke and that the, the way you write a joke is, is pretty basic. You know, it's, it's been known for a long time that you do a, you premise setup and punchline. A premise establishes the topic you want to talk about. A setup gets the audience thinking one way about it, like in a very normal way. And then the punchline is sort of a twisted version of the end of the story that still satisfies that setup, but hits them with a surprise. And you need to learn how that works for your comedy take for your comedy lens and how you process comedy. So like the second thing you should do if you're a new stand-up is to find books like my book or other books. There's a lot of different books to tell you how to write a joke or videos on, on YouTube um, and different instructors that might be even local to you. Someone that you can actually, you know, pay to inst instruct you um, locally or online, but they can help you teach you the steps, how to, how to really break down the premise setup punchline and in my book, I call it the, the humor blueprint. I add a lot of other elements to it to make it more clear on how to use it. But, but, but it, it really comes down to just understanding that um, those three um, steps, premise, setup, and punchline, and how to begin to uh, apply that to how you look at comedy. Yes, indeed. So now, people, that you know the number one and number two, let's do the number three. Number three. Well, the, number three, like once you once you sort of have your, your take and then you begin to learn how to write a joke, your next step, you're going to want to create a set list of your jokes. You're going to want to create a five minute um, set. Yeah. The, the, um, the third step you want to do is once you begin to understand how to write your jokes, you need to get them in some sort of an order. So a new comedian, your first goal is to create a five minute audition set. Right. That's the first thing you're going to want to do. As soon as you begin to learn how to write jokes, you're going to put them together into a little bit of a story. And if you have a clear comedy lens, the joke, these jokes will give your audience and whoever that comedy booker is a decent idea of who you are on stage. Right. And then that that makes you more memorable and more relatable. And the, the key to creating a good set list is, you know, you don't want to go over. You want to have just enough time to fill your five minutes and, and leave them wanting more. But in order to um, get the bet, most effective set together, first, you want to start with your second best joke. And that gets their attention and that sort of hopefully paints a picture of who you are. And then you want to end the set with your best joke. Whatever gets the biggest laugh, work your way towards that bit. Uh, the reason why you do it that way is so that you end on a big laugh, of course. But also, if you put your best joke in the middle of your act, then you're going to have a tough time following your own material because they're going to be like, oh, man, it's not as funny as that one joke. So you build up to the one that gets the biggest laughs. And then a lot, what a lot of more experienced comics will do is they'll shift around what those first and last jokes are in order to improve the jokes that aren't quite as good as those. So, so they'll, they'll literally put a subpar joke up first or last in order to work on it and make it a better joke so that it does it is able to close a show or, or begin a show. Well, number three, in short, you're making your own signature. Exactly. You're, you're creating your five minute signature on stage and you're going to use that five minute set to audition for new cl clubs. You're going to use it to try. So you could eventually you're going to want to emcee a show. That's how you, your first entry onto a paid stage is you begin to uh, introduce the opener, middle and, and headliner. And you also do the announcements for the club. 
And so to do that, you need at least five minutes of material. And that's what you're working towards is, is to show that club and those other comics that you mean business, that you that you are taking this seriously and that you have a five minute set that you can deliver on cue that gets laughs and that, that uses the proper structure of joke writing um, to show that you are indeed learning the craft. Yes, definitely, people. So one, two, three, we are now at number four. Okay, so number four, once you have your set together, uh, number four is, you know, you, you have your comedy lens, you've you figured out how to write a joke, now you put it together into a five-minute set. The next thing you got to do, you got to practice. You got to deliver your jokes from beginning to end, your, your five-minute set over and over again. And first, before you even go on a real stage, do it in front of a mirror. Right before you like get in front of real people, practice in the bathroom in front of your mirror. It, it it's it's not as easy as it looks, especially if you give yourself eye contact. If you if you lock eyes with yourself, sometimes that's enough to intimidate you to forget what you're about to do. So that is a, a helpful way to begin to memorize your set. So you have to memorize your jokes, and then you practice delivering them over and over in front of that mirror. And then while you're doing that, you got to hold a microphone. If you don't have a microphone. Make one up. Use a hairbrush. Use a water bottle. Um, use a shoe. Whatever you have to do to practice holding something in front of your face that you're talking in front of. Because honestly, <laughs> when you're new, yes. you, like yes. like you might look weird the way you hold a microphone. You, if some people hold it too close to the top, some people hold it clo too close to the bottom. Some people hold it too close to their face. Some people hold it too far away from their face. Some people leave it in the mic stand. Some people take it out. You have to practice all of that. Uh, in front of your mirror before you ever get on a live stage. And then that way, when you can rattle your five minutes off without any awkward pauses, then you know you're ready to do it in front of real people, which takes us to number five. Yes. Or, no, actually, no, number five. There's, <laughs> there, there's something you got to do first, Daniel, which is number yeah. five. Okay, so your practice make you perfect. People. Yes, <laughs> it, it's true. It really is. And, and it's like anything, like a sport or uh, any kind of skill. When you practice it over and over again, what happens is your body begins to get used to doing those patterns. And then those, those activities, those skills begin to drop into your muscle memory. And then you begin to do them over and over again without even thinking about them. And then that's when you know you can begin to think about being on stage. But before you get on stage, Daniel, you got to do number five. Number five is you got to pick your onstage look. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. A lot of people don't give that a lot of thought. And, yes. and part of who you are as a comedian is how you look. Because before you ever utter a word, you're going to walk on stage under the lights in front of a group of people who are facing you. And they've already seen probably at least one or two other comedians. So you, with your look, have to begin to differentiate yourself uh, or at least identify yourself as who you are as a comedian. So some people, um, some people wear, will wear a suit. Some people are more casual. I've, I've, I've worked with a guy, Dave Parker. He used to wear shorts because that was, oh, yeah. that was his look. And he, he pulled it off because he was a a wild man and, and, and it fit who he was, but it was a choice that he had. So you have to figure out, you know, am, am I, do I wear an entire sweatsuit that matches the top and bottom? Am I, am I somebody who wears a t-shirt and jeans? Am I somebody who wears a suit or just a suit jacket over a, over a t-shirt, you know, and there are a lot of different looks that you can establish. Um, but it has to be something that reflects who you are uh, in terms of your comedy lens, your take, your brand, um, you know, like Mitch Hedberg, you know, he would wear a certain outfit, but he also had a long hair. He had a look. Um, same with uh, Steve Martin wore a white suit. That was his look. It was something that was very distinct. 
um, Chris Rock tends to wear uh, either a suit or he wears something um, sort of like he's, he's, he 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 uh, puts a lot of uh, 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 effort and uh, thought into his outfits because the people who he entertains notice that. And so there's a different ways that you can um, you can begin to um, establish your uh, style of comedy just in how you look, because that's the first impression people are going to get of you. Yes, definitely. By choosing your appearance, people, you can get your own signature. It does help you with that. And and um and, and, and it's same with the booker. A booker can begin to understand who you are by by how you look. Now, once you have all that set up, once you know your take, once you know how to write a joke and you get a set, a five-minute set together that you've practiced and you have your look, now it's time to get on stage, man. You gotta you gotta put your money where your mouth is. And so you got to start searching for local comedy clubs and, and and find out who their bookers are. So wherever you live, there's probably at least one or two comedy clubs or stages near you. So you got to go online and, and search for them. Uh, jot down a list of these uh, comedy clubs and open mics and open mic stages, any stage. It could be at a, a nightclub. It could be at a, um, a country bar. It could be a rock and roll club. It could even be at a comedy club. But but on one or two nights of the week, they allow people who are amateurs to walk up there and try out the the the, the stand up, uh, their stand up comedy. So you're looking for those kinds of stages that allow for that at some time during the week. And you're going to try to do that at least once or twice or as many times as you can. When, when I was starting, you know, we would try to do it three or four or five times a week and you do your five minute set on one of those stages. So what you got to do is you got to just figure out where they are, call them up. Uh, during the day and just ask them politely like what nights are for amateurs and and then find out if there's a host or a booker for that show because sometimes somebody who's in charge of booking the real comedians also does the open mics thing so get to know them ask them what what is it what is it that you need me to do to sign up for this show where you know like what, what what's the protocol and then that's when you get to number step seven which is to actually sign up for an open mic and do a set Oh, wow. And those are during the week. Those usually are typically uh, uh, earlier part of the week. And the reason why that is, is because the stand-up comedy uh, uh, acts that are there, the professional acts, they entertain during the important nights, Wednesday through Sunday. Those are the nights where people tend to go out more. And so they're willing to pay to see a professional set. On Mondays and Tuesdays, and sometimes Wednesdays and sometimes Sundays, a club typically doesn't have a pro show going. So what they'll do is they'll have an open stage. Same with a local watering hole, a pub or a, a sports bar. Or um, I've worked in so many different um, nightclubs. And they'll set up a stage on a Monday or Tuesday, which is one of their dead nights. And then you'll entertain a group of people that you'll grow to love as a stand-up comic, which is all the waiters and waitresses of all the restaurants in, in your local area who are off on a Monday and Tuesday, because that's typically when restaurants don't don't open or don't have a big um, sitting. So all the people who are in the uh, the um, you know the worker industry, anyone who's a, a a bartender or a waitress or a waiter, those are the people that you'll be entertaining a lot of times at these open. <laughs> and they're yes. they're very they're they're very supportive. They're they're big tippers. These people are so generous, and if you treat them right, they'll treat you right, and then they'll keep coming back. So then your your job then is to just figure out how to find these open mic stages. And then typically you'll show up before the show starts and then you'll write your name on a list. 
And that list will be uh, sometimes 20 or 30 comedians who are also hungry to get stage time. So that's why you have to always do your time, do your five minutes. You all have to always be prepared and you have to be ready to go up at the beginning or at the end of the show, typically at the end of the show when you're newer. And, and remember, the longer it takes you to get on stage, the more material that audience has seen. So that's why it's so important to be original. If you have an original take and original material, it doesn't matter who's been up before you because what you're going to present to them is, is going to be brand new to them. Yes, definitely. Originality. It's so important uh, in this business because at this point, you know, just so many people have are, are doing and, and have done stand-up comedy that if you're not original, you're going to get ignored. It's going to, it's going to be like, Oh, just that's a hack. That's doing old stuff. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> do the things that, um, that are, that are unique to you. And, and, um, and that's where having a good comedy lens is important because that, that sets your originality, um, right from the get-go and then number eight the eighth thing that you should do is a new and again we're, we're going over we're going over the first 10 things a new stand-up comedian needs to do right yes and, and you're, you're you're picking out your comedy lens you're learning how to write a joke you're creating a set a five-minute set for yourself that you're going to practice you're going to get a good look and you're going to find the comedy clubs in your area and sign up for a, an open mic set then you're going to going to do number eight number eight this is key for any new comedian you have to record every set and listen to it afterwards. That's so oh. important because think about it. Uh, like if you're a, a sports star, you watch game film, you do the thing. And then later with your coach and your other players, you watch a breakdown of what you did in slow motion and you find out where you did things right. And you find out where you did things wrong on the field. Same thing with stand-up comedy. When you do a set, every set you do, you, it can be a very valuable learning tool if you record it and if you listen to it. Use your cell phone. Use a mini recorder. There's so many ways that you can get a recording. And then put that on stage with you on the stool next to you. Every, every stage that you go on will have a stool. They always have a mic stand and a stool. That's typically what, what will be on the stage. So you just put that thing down, carry it up with you, and don't even look at it. Don't even make a big deal out of it. Set it down. And don't. A lot of people will set it at the back of the room. Uh, there's two reasons I don't like doing that. Number one, I don't want anyone stealing my cell phone or my recorder while I'm on stage. <laughs> Not that I don't trust you people, but uh, there's someone with sticky fingers always. But the second reason, as a comedian, I want to have it on stage with me on the stool next to me, because what that does now is it records the people's faces head facing me and as they laugh. If it's at the back of the room, you can. You, it's hard to hear them laughing. If it's in front of the room on the stool next to you, you're hearing on the recorder what you're hearing on stage as a comedian. So that's a very important um, uh, uh, thing to learn from. Because when you hear people laughing, you can determine, did they laugh when I wanted them to laugh? Are they laughing at my setups? Are they laughing at my punchlines? Are they not laughing? How hard are they laughing? Is it like a polite laugh? Is it a, a gut laugh? Did I not set them up uh, to, to, to be surprised uh, well enough? You can learn a lot of things about the way you have written your jokes and about how you presented your jokes by when and where and whether they laugh or not. And you can only know that afterwards by listening to your set. And then um, you, and listen to it multiple times like each time listen to it for, for a different reason. You know, where, where am I getting my laughs? Then the next time listen to it, where am I not getting my laughs? Then the next time listen to it, where am I getting laughs that I didn't expect to get laughs? <laughs> Sometimes yes. you, 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 you are funny without meaning to be funny because you're just natural and you're a little nervous in front of these people. So your real humor comes out. Well, 
so if, if you record it and you see those spots, turn that into a bit, figure out how to repeat that and get that same kind of laugh later. And um, I find that a lot of new comedians fail to record their set and listen to it. And it's such a huge uh, um, way to speed up your development. You'll, you'll, you'll bypass all the other comics in your group so much quicker if you're the one who's recording and listening afterwards. I promise you, it will, it will, be, it will be painful. Nobody likes to hear their voice on recording. Nobody likes to hear their jokes bomb. But it will teach you uh, what your set sounds like and, and how you can improve it um, each time you listen. Yes, indeed, people. Record, record. So at number nine, Mister. Now number nine. This is one of those things where um, you know a lot, a lot of people uh, who are in the comedy business um, are very, are very much loners. Stand-up comedians are very much loners who work by themselves. They prefer that. A lot of us are um, are somewhere on the Aspergers or autism spectrum, and we we um, we prefer our solitude, and that that's understandable. But when you're uh, beginning as a comedian, you have to understand you need other people. Uh, you need a community of comics to um, to grow with. And it's really important to find some people who are in your community who you uh, blend with comedically, humor wise. Um, you know, you're, you're alone on stage, but off stage, it's a lot of fun to bounce ideas off of other comics who you trust. Uh, what you end up doing sometimes is get together at a bar or, or a restaurant um, during the week, and then you'll you'll you can run your set, you can run your ideas, you can run some of your jokes past each other, and then you can help each other with tags, which are like extra jokes or punchlines that might not have occurred to you. That somebody who's watching your joke, who's a comedian, could say, "Hey, have you ever thought of saying this after that punchline? Have you ever thought of calling back the bit you did earlier?" at the end of this joke? Have you ever thought of referencing X, Y, or Z during this bit? Because a lot of people think of that when you think of that kind of joke and all those kinds of feedback, and then you can give that to them. And if you, if you get a, a good group of, of um, cohorts in your local community, um, comedy community, uh, they're your, they could, they become your friends, your buds, they become your, your posse and you guys can, uh, and girls can all help each other out and help each other grow and, and, and track each other's, uh, journey, uh, together. And if you find, if you can trust them to not steal your material and not do the bit, you know, the, your bits and, and you not do their bits, you can really develop a strong community. And that's a real, um, great way to grow your comedy shows because what happens is you, you all get better as a group because you're all helping each other. And then the audience understands that. I'll give you an example. In uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, there's a comedy club uh, run by a guy named Louis Lee and it's called Acme Comedy Company. And it's one of the, I, I think it's one of the best comedy clubs in the, uh, in the United States because it, it has a great restaurant and great food with it, um, which is helpful. But, but the, the primary reason it's a great club is because Louis, the owner, um, he really values unique and um, and strong comedy. So he only puts people and books people, his professionals, who have that sort of unique and original um, take. And what he also has done is he's trained his community there to support the local guys and girls and ladies. He has an open mic there that's really hard to get onto because you have to be really good to, <laughs> to be at that club. And so he's... he's um, um, developed a really strong local community there and out of that community has come a lot of really great uh, comics nick schwartzen um uh, uh tom segura 
Um, I, I could go through the whole list, but 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 so many people came out of that group, and it's because they all sort of bonded together as comedians and helped each other out. So finding a writing partner, finding a writing group, finding a, finding your your uh, posse, your comedy posse is key to beginning as a new comedian because they'll all. And if you have any questions, they'll be the ones who can help you um, to, to find the answers. Yes, indeed, people. At number nine, finding funny muscles with your community. And at number 10. Yeah, and the last thing I can suggest the, uh, in terms of um, the, the first 10 things a new stand-up comedian needs to do, uh, find a coach. Find somebody who's a mentor. Find somebody who's been in the business for a long time who can teach you, uh, who can um, help you, who can guide you. And usually at your local comedy club, there's there's one or two people like that who uh, they have workshops, they um, they teach a class, um, do that, invest in a class, invest in a workshop. It'll be well worth your money because what it does, it not only does it help you learn how to do the craft of it, it helps you build a network of people and it helps you have a mentor who can answer these questions that um, that because they've been through it. Typically, a coach like that has done uh, has headlined. Typically, a coach like that has toured uh, the different comedy clubs. Typically, a coach like that has a process or a game plan that they use to write comedy and present comedy that they can lend you and, and, and help you to, to begin to develop your own. Because you're going to want your own original take on all those things, but it helps to have a, a, somebody who knows what the hell they're doing guide you in the beginning. And um, when, um, when, when they give you that kind of help and feedback, uh, it's 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 invaluable. When I was starting, I started out in Orlando, Florida, and in Orlando there was a woman named Vicky Rouseman, and Vicky was quite a character. She was she was she was a big lady, she was like in personality and in size. So she she could she could own a room, and she she was very confident. She's she's not with us anymore. She passed away uh, a couple years ago, but she would she had a, a like a stall of comedians, and we would all every week. We would show up to her workshop on Saturday afternoon at the comedy club. So there was an empty comedy club and we would all get, you know, grab a seat and then she, we would each take a turn doing our set to the other comedians. And and other comedians are the worst audience you can have because they don't laugh <laughs> unless it's really funny. And, yeah. and chances are they've already heard your bits anyway because they've um, been to this workshop over and over again. And when you work on your material, you're, you're repeating your, yourself. So... I remember Vicky would have us all do that. And then, then she would hold a contest once a week. And the winner of that contest would get to MC the shows for that week. When we would do it for free, but we would do it for the stage time. So there was a, there was a real community that we developed and a chance to get on stage in front of a paying crowd um, through this workshop. So chances are wherever you live and whatever city you're in and wh whatever community you're around, there's somebody there who's doing that. So find them and use them as your guide or your coach. And if you can't find them locally, look online. There are people online. Uh, there are plenty of people who offer classes and workshops. Um, I'll be doing that too with my Finding Your Funny Muscle book series. Each one of them is going to have a set of classes with it. And um, uh, I want to also begin to, um, to uh, teach that live. But right now, there, there are, there's, a whole, there's a, uh, you know, at least a half a dozen or more 
men and women who will do that for you and serve that role for you. So look for them and um and and use them until you outgrow them. And when you outgrow them, they'll be they'll be happy with that. They'll be great. They'll be like, oh, but little bird, fly away from the nest and do your own comedy. And and um, <laughs> and then they'll be proud of because they're the ones that helped you start. And then you know, and you'll always for the rest of your career look back at that person fondly because you'll say, wow, they gave me a lot a real good head start in what I was trying to do. Yes, indeed. People can ways to be a better com comedian and Mr. Mike as professional in industry. We need to follow the 10 steps to make a comedy better. When you're a new stand-up comedian. Um, sometimes you don't know what to do. Sometimes you're not sure, yes. like, how do I start? Well, these, these are 10 things that you can, you can do. You can check off your list. And if you at least do these 10 things, you're going to be well on your way to becoming a, a, a professional stand-up eventually. And, and a professional just means that you're beginning to get paid for doing this thing that you love. In the beginning, you're not going to get paid. You're going you're gonna to have to just do it for free out of the love of it. So you yeah, might as well have a game plan to get that part of it done. And that's what these first 10 things a new comedian should do or needs to do is about. I want to have a master class for each of my three books. My, my first book, Finding Your Funny Muscle, teaches you this game plan. My second book, Fine Tuning Your Funny Muscle, gives you above the net uh, uh, a breakdown of all those, uh, th those, those uh, steps. And then the third book, Flexing Your Funny Muscle, helps you to implement those that game plan into your life, whether you want to be a comedian, whether you want to be a better speaker at your corporate job, whether you want to give a better toast at your, your uh, family member's wedding, whatever it is that you want to be, you know, just maybe you just want to be funny at the water cooler at work, or maybe you want to be, uh, uh, use it as a flirtatious device to, to, to meet other people uh, who you want to date, whatever, well, how, whatever you want to be funny, um, you know, that's that's the uh, that that third book is going to uh, help you uh, uh, take the first steps to doing that. Yes, definitely, people. So let's do the recap of and things a new stand-up comedian needs to do. Yes. All right. Here's the recap. I'm going to go through it fast. So get your pens out and write it down. Number one, you're going to pick out a comedy lens, a way for your take or your brand so that your comedy becomes more relatable and memorable. And so you can narrow down the topics you want to talk about. Number two, you want to learn how to write a joke and then write some. It's premise, setup, and punchline, but there's a lot of different ways to go about that, including the humor blueprint in my book. Number three, you're going to create a set list of your jokes. You want a five-minute set, and you're going to use that as your audition to get onto new stages and to get work. Number four, you're going to practice delivering that five-minute set you're in front of a mirror at home. You're going to hold a – if you don't have a microphone, you're going to practice holding a hairbrush or a water bottle or anything you can think of in order to begin to get comfortable delivering your jokes uh, at any given point. And then you're going to pick an onstage look. You're going to try to figure out what you want to look like when you people see you trying to be funny. And then it comes down to getting some stage time. So that means you got to first look at some local comedy clubs and bookers and find out near you where you can where you can get some stage time. And it might take you a half hour drive to get there. So that depends on how hungry you are for it. And then you got to sign up to do that open mic. You got to put your name on the list and you got to wait around while the other comics are doing their material. And then you got to begin uh, to, to uh, do that more often than once. You got to go every week. You got to go twice a week. And when you do that, you got to record every set. That's number eight. Record it and listen to it afterwards. There's no better way to teach yourself how to do comedy and to, to, to get better than to listen to how you did and to learn from that. And then you can even share that with other people and, and ask, ask their uh, opinion. 
Uh, and then number nine, you're going to find a writing partner or a writing group, a, 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 a person or people in your local community who are also trying to do comedy who you can work with and bounce ideas off of and get tags and extra jokes from. And then finally, you're going to try to look for a coach or a mentor, somebody who's available who can uh, help guide you uh, in, a, in a bigger picture. Because when you begin to start to get work, you're going to want someone who can advise you on how to find newer clubs that are outside of your where you live. Uh, you're going to want to know what it's like to travel, to go to these different gigs and how you behave at those different clubs. You're going to want to know uh, how much you charge and, and how you get paid. You're going to want to know how to begin to promote yourself. And there's a lot of things that a, a mentor and a coach can help you. And, uh, and a lot of those things also, uh, Daniel, we're going to go over uh, on this show. Um, my, my goal is to help all you new comedians who are uh, listening begin to uh, have a place once a week you can go to where someone's going to try to sort of help you with a, one of the different aspects of doing this new job that you're looking to do. So hopefully we can add, uh, be that for you and um, help break down this very, it can be a very tricky and very scary and very challenging journey, but boy, it's worth it. It's so much fun. And when you hear that first laughter from a, a group of, uh, of strangers and an audience in front of you, you're going to get hooked. Something else, right? Priceless people. And thank you, Mr. Mike, for those encouraging tips. And I hope that people listening to us do it and share your experience. I hope so, too. I, and, 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 and do us a favor. Uh, if you have any questions or you have any comments or anything that you want us to talk about uh, that, that you're curious about as a new comedian uh, or as an experienced comedian, uh, write to me, Mike, at FunnyMuscle.com. And I will be happy to cover that for you. Um, we, we will um, no judgment and no uh, mocking. We'll, we'll we'll treat all um, all inquiries <laughs> seriously. And um, and but but what's not right? But what's not serious is funnymuscle.com. Uh, That's my website where there's lots of hilarious content and uh, there's stand up and videos and audio blogs. Um, lots of ways that you can for free uh, entertain yourself and get some laughs, and including a lot of these um, uh, advice tips for new comedians. So. Um, uh, be sure to check that out, funnymuscle.com. Yes, people, let's support Mr. Mike Lucas. Please buy the book, Finding Funny Muscle. <laughs> buy the book. <laughs> For sure. Buy Anywhere book, books are available. Yep, you can yes. get it there. Available uh, nationwide, worldwide. I worldwide, think, right? yep. Yes. And I just uh, bought now, Mr. Mike, and I, I always forget. So uh, I, I love it. Yes, and uh, thank you for your time. That sounds good, Daniel. See you next. See you next week. We'll do it again. And uh, have great sets, everybody. Do um, do good work. Yes, definitely. And Marty Khan, people, see you soon. <laughs>